Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. All of you in the overflow, Perry, Oklahoma. Anybody joining us by way of video or audio podcast, thank you. Uh, you honor us by joining us, and uh, we love you with our whole hearts. Starting a new sermon series today in, in, entitled Paranormal Activity, what the Bible says about all things dark, weird, and scary. Uh, I have to admit right off the bat, I, I'm just one of those guys, I kind of like dark, weird, and scary stuff, and, and that might disappoint you <laughs> not being your pastor at all, but somewhere along the line early on, I just sort of learned to think of being scared as also being something that's fun. That's why if you're in my family or if, if I work with you every day, uh, I like to scare people. I like to hide behind the corner and, and jump out. I think I've gotten everybody here at work pretty good, except maybe Warren. Uh, who is just hard to scare, man. Warren's like the, the really organized Chuck Norris, and, uh, and you just can't really you can't mess with Warren like that. Now, Matt Betts is easy, man. John Martin McElroy and I scared Matt Betts so bad one night, I, I think he left a wet spot in his office chair, man. I mean, we scared him to, to death. Um, I don't know exactly where I learned to, to, to think of that as kind of fun. It's, it's not because I'm brave. I'll say that up front. I am a fraidy cat, I'm a chicken, but somehow I still sort of think sometimes that, that, that scary can be fun. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I had an older sister, of course, and, and that's scary all in itself. I had an older sister, and uh, my, mom worked, uh, my mom worked nights, my dad worked days, so there was a little bit of gap of time in the afternoons every day when Tracy, my sister, and I were home by ourselves. And, and back in those days, uh, there was... Uh, uh, a movie that came on every afternoon. It was a different movie. It was old black and white scary movies usually called The Big Show. So The Big Show used to come on and it, and it was almost always an old scary movie. Something like The, the Creature from the Black Lagoon. That was my favorite, man. The, the, the Gill Man. Do you remember him? He was awesome. All he wanted was just to be left alone, people. He just wanted to be left alone. The, the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, the Head That Wouldn't Die. The head that wouldn't die. Oh, my goodness. King Kong, the blob. Anybody ever see the blob? Oh, my goodness. These were the scariest movies when I was a kid. And remember, we were home alone, my sister and I, waiting for our, our parents. So usually somewhere in the middle of the movie, I would get a little bit nervous, and I would need some reassurance. And so I would say something like, Tracy, when will Daddy be home? And my sister would say, I'm not Tracy. I'm not Tracy. I'm the head that wouldn't die. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so now I am stuck at home for an hour with the head that wouldn't die. Do you understand? There's no wonder I have anxiety attacks today. But it was just, it, it, it was all kind of fun until bedtime and the lights would go out and then I'm in my room. And, and that's when I would start thinking about the creature from the Black Lagoon again, the gill man coming down the hallway toward my bedroom. Or I could think about the blob uh, oozing sort of under my closet door. I, I could still picture the head that wouldn't die. <laughs> I, I could see that stuff. And so like a lot of you, I would eventually become so terrified in my bed that finally I would just 
just bust out of my room, go running down the hallway into my mother and father's room, jump in bed with them. Anybody ever done that? L lately? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so I'd say, Daddy, I'm, I'm scared. And my dad would say, what are you afraid of? And I'd say, well, you know, here's the list. The head that wouldn't die, the creature from the Black Lagoon, the blob coming out from my closet. And what would my dad say? Son, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as the blob. There's no such thing as the creature from the Black Lagoon. My dad was always so good to say, Tim, there's no such thing as whatever I was afraid of, there's no such thing. Which is kind of interesting, coming from the man whose daughter is the head that wouldn't die. Do you understand? It's kind of interesting that he seemed to, to, to know so much. There's no such thing, he would say. So honestly, it would have been very, very helpful somewhere along the way if somebody could have just given me the list of things that there are no such things as. Or maybe the list of things that there are such things as. So therefore, I could just understand what is there to be afraid of and what is there not. Isn't it wonderful that we have the Word of God because we have that list. So let's just save each other a whole lot of trouble and go to the list. Psalm 148 is where we'll be this morning. I'm not making a joke. I'm not exaggerating. If you want to know what is, if you want to know what there are such things as, we look to the Word of God. And that's where we begin this series. Now, today is a very foundational message for everything that comes next. So pay close attention to what is. Pay close attention to creation as we talk about it and what God has made and the purpose that God has for everything because it's going to make everything I say in this series past today hopefully make a little more sense. Psalm 148. This is good. If you want the list of what is, here we go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights. Now notice how the psalm is going to go. We're going to start as high and far out as you can go and work our way all the way down to us. Okay, so here we go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights, from the skies. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all the armies, all the hosts of heaven. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light, all you twinkling stars. Praise him, skies above, highest heavens, he says. Praise him, vapors, waters, high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For he issued his command and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Praise the Lord from the earth. You creatures of the ocean depths, the word there is not creatures, the Hebrew word is sea monster. Isn't that awesome? Creatures from the Black Lagoon, right there, people. You sea monsters of the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather that obey him, mountains and hills, fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and all livestock, small scurrying animals and birds. Kings of the earth and all people, rulers and judges of the earth, young men, young women, old men and children. Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. 
He has made his people strong, honoring the faithful ones, the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. (laughs) That's so good. That's just so good. Bottom line. Here we go. Bottom line. Everything that is, everything that there is such a thing as, you understand, everything that is was made by God. Understand? Everything that is in all of the universe, it was made by God. God knows about it. God has full authority over it, and it exists for his purpose. Everything that is was made by God. Let's start right there. Now, to be very technical and more biblically accurate, everything that is was created by God's living word, which we understand in the New Testament relates to, to Christ. So let's go into deep weeds for just a moment, but understand, Jesus is not just the baby born in the manger. Before Jesus was was the Son of God born in, in human form, understand, he was God from all eternity with God the Father. Jesus is God, and he did not begin in, in Bethlehem. He is from all eternity God. So very technically in Scripture, it's always careful to point out that that Jesus is the living Word of God, that somehow all of creation comes from from Jesus, from Jesus' creative power. Give me an example. Turn back to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. This is very typical of the way the New Testament talks about Jesus and his creative authority. Start in verse 15. Colossians, New Testament, chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed. Christ existed before anything was created. And Christ is supreme over all creation. Everything that is, Christ is supreme over it. Four, here we go. For through Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. Christ made the things we can see and the things we can't see, things visible, things invisible, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Here we go. Everything was created through him. Through who? Through Christ. Everything was created through Christ and for Christ. Everything was created through him, through, through Jesus, and for Jesus. So, so again, we're starting in, in, in the biggest, biggest picture possible here. Everything that is, if you took the long list of everything there is such a thing as, you have to recognize that that, that thing was created by and for Jesus, through and for Jesus. So everything has a purpose, and everything has an origin, and everything finds its origin in Christ. He is above and over everything. We're talking about about Christ. So everything has its purpose, and back in Psalm 48, you find out very, very quickly what the purpose of everything is. What is the purpose of everything? Yeah, to praise the Lord, to bring glory to, to shine the light, to, to point back toward, to, to somehow give praise to God, the, the creator. Everything that is, everything that exists has its beginning and its purpose in Christ. And the purpose of everything is to bring glory to him. The purpose of everything, to bring glory to Christ. 
That's why Psalm 148 has this kind of a roll call of creation. It's a roll call. And it's calling out everything that God has made in large categories, but everything that is comes out and everything steps forward and it praises the Lord because that's why everything exists and that's by whom everything exists. Everything comes from God through Christ, for Christ. It's for his pleasure. It's for his glory. Everything is good, everything beautiful the way God created it. So let's walk through. If we're looking for the list of things that there are such things as, let's go to Scripture and let's start in Psalm 148. As I said, it begins at the highest point. It begins with the large picture of creation. And it says, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights. Praise him, all your angels. Praise him, all the armies, all the hosts of heaven. Praise him, sun and moon. If you organize the psalm, if you look closely at this psalm and tried to outline it, you would see that it's kind of in three big chunks, three sections. And the first section of Psalm 148 is, is what we would call the, the celestial creation. The celestial kind of everything pertaining to the heavens, everything pertaining to the, the, the universe. The, the universe. So fundamental to our faith, fundamental to scripture is the fact that God created the universe. God created everything that, that, that is, and God speaks it into existence. This is how powerful he is. So the psalm begins by sort of calling out the universe, recognizing that the universe itself was created by God for the purpose of, of giving him praise. If you look at the pictures from the Hubble telescope, if you stay awake in astronomy class, if you pay attention in science, you'll be absolutely amazed at the vastness, that the scale of the universe, the distances between things that sometimes seem like they ought to be close. The moon seems close, but it's so far away. The sun is so far away and yet perfectly distanced to support life on, on this planet. God created God. God spoke all of this into existence, and it's absolutely amazing. Now, I am kind of a science geek. I'm not a smart guy, but I love science, and I love to read science, and I just love everything about creation. And I've been following the conversations lately between the physicists who are studying the universe that God has made. And you know what the, one of the pressing questions now between physicists and scientists and all those who study the universe, do you know what one of the big questions in science is now? How many universes are there? What? How many universes are there? You see, universe, the whole idea is a picture of there just being one. Universe, one verse, one universe. But, but because of observation because of measurement but because of the way scientists who faithfully and honestly study creation they're finding out that it is so vast and so intricately beautiful and honestly so far beyond our thoughts that, that now the real question is how many universes are there and they actually use a brand new word and the word is multiverse multiverse you can't even find your keys and God has created a multiverse 
You understand? His thoughts are so far beyond our thoughts. And his ways are so far beyond our ways. And even the most brilliant minds on the planet, when they study the multiverse, they can never get to the end of it. They can never answer the questions. The deeper we look, the deeper the mystery becomes. And God is the one who created all of this. Do you understand this? God created it. He understands it. There is no boundary of the multiverse where God does not somehow have glory that towers beyond. I mean, creation is so gigantic, so vast, it's beyond your thinking, and yet it's not beyond God's thinking at all. This is a great God, a great God who creates the multiverse, the heavens, the sun, moon, the stars, the quasars, the black holes, the constellations, the galaxies so far away from us that the light may never reach our neighborhood. I love it. And God created all of this. He simply speaks it into being and it exists because it brings him pleasure. God loves it too. And it brings him joy and it brings him glory. Praise him. All the heavens, praise him. Sun, moon, praise him. All you stars of light, praise him. Skies above, praise him. Water above the sky. So understand, celestial creation, the the multiverse, the universe, space, everything that is, it belongs to God. It brings him glory. Now let's drill down a little deeper. Still in the celestial creation, verse 2, Psalm 148, praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all the hosts, the armies of heaven. So understand, when we're talking about all that is, Part of what is revealed to us in Scripture is that there is a a spiritual universe, a spiritual dimension that God has filled with spiritual creatures. When I use the word creature, I'm just saying something created by God. There is nothing in all of the universe, in all of creation, that God did not create. So angels, creatures in the spiritual universe, all of these were created by God, all for his own purposes. Now, when you think of angels, you've probably got a very childish, a very primitive, in some ways a very pagan view of what an angel is. Now, the word angel in both Old Testament and New Testament, it always just means messenger. Messenger. Because in Scripture, whenever we encounter one of these spiritual creatures, they're doing God's work, and they're typically bringing a message. And all through Scripture, you find angels functioning as, as God's messengers. But if you continue to look at scripture and read when we're given glimpses into heaven, into the spiritual world, we're really not talking about, you know, pretty ladies with with, with long flowing robes and and, and a halo and, and maybe white wings. It is so much more exciting than that. It is so much more diverse than that. There are all kinds of spiritual creatures. You can see that even just reading scripture. There are these angelic messengers like Gabriel that that you find in Scripture, but then there are also creatures that simply fly around the throne of heaven with with multiple wings and sometimes multiple faces, multiple eyes. They are amazing, absolutely amazing creatures that God has made. We know next to nothing about them. They do not typically live in our world, you understand? But they exist. 
and they exist for God's glory. He has created a host, all kinds, all kinds of spiritual creatures. Now, follow me here. At least some of these creatures, some of these spiritual creatures, we'll say angels, at least some of these angels, God created them with, with high intelligence. I don't know about all of them, but, but some of them have very high intelligence. And also, God created at least some of them, I don't know about all of them, but at least some of them have free will. Free will. In other words, they're not like just dumb animals that, that you feed and you change their cage and there they are. Do you understand? They have intelligence and some ability to choose. And part of the choice that God gave them was the choice of whether or not to remain faithful in his service. Whether or not to be faithful to him. At least some of the angels were given very high intelligence and free will. They're created with one purpose, and that is to serve and glorify God, to praise him, just like Psalm 148 says. But some of them were given choice, and some of those that were given choice chose to rebel. You with me? This is from Scripture. At least some of those spiritual creatures, spiritual beings that God created, he created with intelligence and some degree of choice, and a certain number of them rebelled against God. Now this becomes important for everything else and very important for you to know in your own life. They rebelled against the Creator, and this is in the spiritual universe, the spiritual realm, do you understand? And this is scriptural. They rebelled. Their leader was apparently a, a very beautiful at one time, a very beautiful and very intelligent being whose name we sometimes call Lucifer. That, that word just means morning star. He was an angel of light, the scripture says. And at one point was a member of the heavenly court. Lucifer was created by God. And he was created to bring God glory. And he was apparently a very beautiful creature who became enamored with his own beauty. And he actually seems to become jealous of the glory that belonged to God. And so Lucifer rebelled. And when he rebelled, he took a third of the angels with him. A third of the heavenly creatures with him. So now, in reality, when we're talking about what things are and what things aren't, there are fallen spiritual creatures. We typically call them demons now. But truly, they exist. And truly purpose now is to rebel against God. They oppose God. They oppose Christ and the church, the scripture says. And what this means is in all of creation now, there is really no neutral territory. There is a kind of spiritual battle going on, and to tell you the truth, it's already over. Do you remember Psalm 148? God's glory towers above everything else. And these beings, these creatures that have rebelled against God, they're not more powerful than God. You talk about Satan, he, he, he may seem powerful to us, but he is not powerful to God. Remember, God made him. God made him with very little effort. And honestly, God could simply crush him like a bug. I mean, Satan does not have infinite power. He's not God. And none of these demons, none of these fallen creatures in any way have power over God. But as I say, there's a battle. And it's gotten very complicated because of us. Let me continue. 
Let every created thing, verse 5, give praise to the Lord. He issued his command. They came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. He is the creator. He remains in charge, folks. Here we go, verse 7. The terrestrial creation. Praise the Lord from the earth. Praise him from the earth. You creatures, you sea monsters. That's the Hebrew word, sea monsters. Now, when, when it says sea monsters, does that mean there are monsters? If there are sea monsters, are there also under-the-bed monsters? And if there are under-the-bed monsters, could there be blob coming out from under the closet door kind of monsters? Because it's so, I'm moving back in with my dad. Sea monsters, praise him, all you sea monsters. Is there maybe Bigfoot out there and the Loch Ness Monster and the Booger Man? I mean, are they out there? Because it says monsters. Well, take a deep breath. When the psalmist says sea monsters, he literally just means all those things way down there that he doesn't know anything about. The psalmist has that kind of mind, and he recognizes that, that if you started his praise with as high as you could go, now he understands that the deepest place you could go would be in the very bottom of the sea, very bottom of the ocean, and there are things down there that we still don't know anything about. I'm serious. Do, do you ever just look at the pictures that the scientists are bringing back up from the bottom of the ocean? There is stuff down there so weird. There are creatures down there that are absolutely so different, so amazing. And the fact is, we haven't even discovered them all. As human beings, we don't really know what's down there. There's mystery involved because I remind you, creation is God's creation. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are beyond our thoughts. There are things we've never discovered, truthfully. But you will never discover anything that God didn't create and you'll never discover anything that God doesn't know about, and you'll never discover anything that God didn't create for the purpose of bringing him glory and praise. So, let's just play the game. If there is Bigfoot out there, how many of you think he's out there? How many think he lives on your farm? How many of you think he might be your ex-husband? Yeah? Bigfoot. Or, or, or the Loch Ness Monster, or, or the creature from the Black Lagoon. If there are things that we haven't discovered, what about them? Well, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, if I remember the movie correctly, he really just wanted to be left alone, and he really just wanted a girlfriend. So probably Bigfoot's the same way. Just leave him alone. Let, let's, let's give him Nicki Minaj, or let's just, you know, let's give him Lady Gaga and solve two of the world's problems just all at once. But if, if there are creatures that we don't know about, then, then I promise you God still knows about them and they exist for his pleasure and for his purposes and they are there to give him praise. You understand? There's nothing in all creation that God is not God over. And while we're at it, there are no monsters under your bed and there is no blob coming out from under the closet and just to make things completely clear, my sister is not the head that wouldn't die. There are things that there is no such thing as. But there are things that are. And everything that is was created by God. 
Everything in all the earth, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather, mountains and hills, fruit trees, all cedars, wild animals and cattle, small scurrying animals and, and, and all people. I like what it says in verse 8, wind and weather that obey him. The, the, the Hebrew phrase there is wind and weather that fulfill his word. Everything is created to fulfill his word to fulfill its purpose and honestly of all of the infinite numbers of creatures and all of the amazing things in all creation everything that God creates brings him praise perfectly just brings him praise perfectly simply by doing what it was created to do the, the flowers coming up out of the ground here at the beginning of spring in Kentucky the trees bursting into bud the, the red buds exploding with with purple those fields of purple flowers on the way to Franklin oh my goodness you understand all they have to do is do what the creator created them to do and they bring him perfect praise which brings us to verse 11 now we're into humankind humanity kings of the earth and all people rulers and judges of the earth young men young women old men and children let them all Praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great, and his glory towers over the earth and the heaven. Brings us to human beings. God, God created us. And if you notice in Psalm 148 in Genesis, wherever you find the account of creation, human beings are, are depicted as, as the crown of creation, uh, the, the very last thing, as if there's a prominent place for us. I don't say that as some sort of pride over the rest of creation. I'm just saying that, that God created us differently and, and especially. And truly, in God's mind and in God's heart, there's a very special love that he has for human creatures, for us. Now, elsewhere, the psalmist is amazed by that, too. He says, my goodness, when I look at the multiverse, when I look at the sun, moon, and the stars, I don't understand how in the world that God could have special affection for, for me, for, for us. He made us a little lower than the angels, the scripture says, but God created human beings and, and we're different. We, we are physical creatures. We talked about angels and spiritual creatures. We're physical, we're physical, and we live in a physical universe. We are biochemical in, in nature, which means my body is composed of atoms and matter and all the things your science teacher taught you. I, I, I'm physical, I, I'm physical, but I'm also created, Scripture says, in the image of God. And, and nothing else in all creation is described in that way, but you and I, our, our parents Adam and Eve, were created differently. In the very image of God. All of the creatures of the earth were just spoken into existence. Genesis says that God just created them out of the dust. But when God created the, the human being, God formed him from the very same dust. The same dust as everything else in the physical universe. But then God stooped down, the scripture says, and gave him his breath. God breathed. God breathed into the man, and the man became something nothing else in the universe is. The man became a living soul. Now, other creatures have breath, obviously, but when God breathed into our, our nostrils, and, and you think in terms of breath, understand that, that in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, there's only one word for, for breath, wind, and spirit. Only one word. So it's as if God breathes his spirit into us. 
were made in his image for the same purpose as everything else, to bring him glory, to bring him praise. But God created us with intelligence. I, I know, I've met your family, we could argue that, but seriously, God created us with intelligence and God created us also with free will. With free will. We are not simply like the guinea pig that Cooper got for his birthday that, that lives in the cage and has no choice about anything in his life and, and no capacity for boredom or for wonder. We're, we're different. We're, we're different. We're enough like our creator to, to, to reflect his glory. And, and along with that is, is this freedom to choose. In other words, we're created to praise him but God did not create us mindless. God did not create us simply as parrots that would repeat words of praise, but the words would be coming from the beak and not from the heart. God created us with the capacity to praise him, but also the choice not to. It goes even deeper than that. If you look through Scripture, the way that the human being is described is in terms of being a, a, a temple, in, in the New Testament, or also in one of Jesus' parables, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, we're like a house. In other words, our, our physical existence, our, our biochemical existence somehow has this ability to interact with, to interface with the spiritual world to such a degree that in one place the New Testament can say, don't you know that you are, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You ever thought about that? Your body is a, is a temple. Something about the human being, we are able to house the Holy Spirit, to, to house him. I remind you, we have a choice about that. The Holy Spirit isn't going to come and take us and, and possess us. He's not going to take us over in that way. We have choice most beautiful passages in all of scriptures in the book of Revelation where Jesus himself says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will hear my voice and do what? Open the door, I will come in, stay with them. It's like we have the spiritual side, the spiritual part of our existence. We are a living soul, and we are truly created not just to praise him, but to house his spirit, to, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why God made you. But the Holy Spirit waits for you to open the door to him. You're created to praise him, but you have to choose. You have to choose to live your life in such a way that brings him glory. You have to choose to live your life in such a way as to fulfill all of his purposes for you. You choose. So this is where it gets complicated. Everything's created. Everything that is comes from God, and, and it's created with the same purpose, to glorify him, to praise him, to serve him. But... But a rebellion started a long time ago in the spiritual universe, and it continues now in the physical universe. There are those who simply do not, do not open the door to Christ, to the Holy Spirit. They do not live their lives to serve God, to glorify Him. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. Because you're still a, a temple, you're still a house. And 
if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you are empty and available to be filled with other things. We'll talk more about that. Your house, your heart, your, your life remains empty. And that's a dangerous thing. And as I said, there, there's this great and, and impossible to understand battle that's happening in the spiritual realm between those creatures that have rebelled against God and, and God who is all-powerful. God who could end this thing so instantly. But, but now you see, you and I, we're caught up in this thing. We're caught up in this thing. The scripture says that the, the devil and his angels, they, they were cast down to earth. So now you see there, there's a spiritual battle going on with invisible powers and forces, and we can't even see it, and yet it affects us. In a certain way, we are, we are in this thing. We, we are in some ways trophies. You see, the, the devil cannot do anything to harm God. The devil can't reach God. You understand? He's, he's, he's a creature. He's limited. But he can get to what God loves. He is able to hurt and harm what God loves, and that would be us. God, in all of creation, he loves us. He loves human beings, men, women, boys, and girls, just like us. God loves us. And the devil can still see the image of God in us, and he despises that. He despises that. And so he comes after us. He comes after us. This, my friends, is real. And you're in this thing. You're in this. So if we're going to talk about all things dark, weird, and scary, you have to understand that uh, one of the darkest and weirdest and scariest places of all would be your heart. Your heart. Because of sin. Because of that tendency that you have to not want to open the door and let Christ in. Because that tendency that you have to understand God's purpose for you, but still choose to live in another direction, to fall down at the altar of some other God. The darkest and weirdest and scariest place is the heart of the person who has not opened the door to let Jesus in. want to talk about the things that there are no such things as and the things that there are let's start with your heart if you have never surrendered to Christ you have an empty and darkened heart you were not created for emptiness and darkness you were not created for sin and this rebellion. You were not created for depression and anxiety. You were not created for fear. You were created to bring glory and reflect back the image of a beautiful and awesome God. This is why you were given breath. But this God who is so powerful, this God whose glory towers above everything in the earth and in all the heavens, this God who has this kind of power, he will not exercise his power over a human soul. But he will stand at the door and knock. When you hear his voice, when you sense his drawing you, when you understand your need for him, 
you open the door. This is why you were created. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we often imagine things that are very scary and dangerous. We imagine, Lord, that there are monsters or creatures out to do us harm. Lord, we don't seem to realize that the darkest, scariest, and most weird place in all of creation is the heart of the person who has turned away from the Creator. Oh, Lord Jesus, the greatest danger is not being mauled by a lagoon creature. The greatest danger is to die in this lost and sinful state. The greatest danger is to step out into eternity without having made peace with you in this life. The greatest danger is to allow you to knock and knock and knock at the door of my heart for my whole life and to never let you in. There is no greater danger than to die without knowing you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us that there is nothing to fear in this earth and nothing to fear in the spiritual realm. There is nothing to fear, and yet we must learn to fear you, O oh God. Only you have power. Only you have might. Only you have the authority to command our souls. So, Lord Jesus, take away our fears and teach us to fear you and you alone. You are awesome. You are powerful. You are fearsome. You are good. Lord Jesus, as you knock on doors of hearts, let hearts doors pray glorious name of our maker Jesus Christ